Hi, I'm Sean. I've always had a passion for personal growth and a curiosity for life's profound questions. I created this show as a platform dedicated to inspiring change through thoughtful and insightful conversation. There's a lot happening in the world today. Some of it clear, some of it confusing. My goal with these conversations is to leave you feeling better and more informed about the state of our world in these challenging times. I'd like to invite you to think outside the lines. When I decided to relaunch this podcast after a two-year hiatus, I knew I wanted to revisit some of the conversations that had inspired me along the way. My mission with this show has always been to challenge perceptions, but also to provide some inspiration in a world that sometimes feels void of it. Mixed in with all new episodes, I'll be revisiting some of my personal favorite conversations I've had over the years, but with a twist. Within these reimagined episodes, you'll find previously unshared segments from these discussions with guests that didn't make it into the original episode. I've also taken the time to enhance the audio quality for these updated episodes. I'm confident that you'll find them inspirational and insightful. The first conversation I'm proud to share with you is with someone who was actually part of the inspiration for this podcast. I had been to one of her events when she was in Los Angeles, and I'd asked if she would be on my show. She graciously obliged, and our conversation has been among my most memorable. I was incredibly nervous when we recorded this interview, which you can actually hear in my voice if you listen closely. This conversation was ultimately everything I hoped it would be, and so much more, and I received a ton of positive feedback when the episode originally aired. If I could ask every human on the planet to listen to this conversation, I would. She's a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100 and the former director of a future studies think tank in Washington, D.C., where she managed a team creating global scenario plans. She now speaks about the intelligence of the hearts. Her most recent book is How to Be Loving, When Your Heart is Breaking Open and the World is Waking Up. She is also the author of The Firestarter Sessions, White Hot Truth, and The Desire Map, which you'll hear us discuss in this conversation. She's also the producer of dozens of meditation kits and online programs for spiritual support. Her podcast, With Love, Danielle, often ranks in iTunes' top 10 for wellness. Her website is visited by millions of people each month and was named one of the top 100 websites for women by Forbes. I invite you to be inspired as we think outside the lines with Danielle Laporte. Welcome to the show, Danielle Laporte. How are you today? Today's a good day. Yeah. Hi, everybody. So you are a huge inspiration for my starting this podcast, actually. Anyone who knows me has at some point been gifted one or more of your books and heard me joke that Oprah got me through my 20s and Danielle Laporte has helped me through my 30s. I know that you do the kind of work that you do because you want to make an impact. And I just want to say that when I'm challenged by life, or when I'm feeling unsure about things, I actually revisit your work because it's that impactful. So it's surreal to be afforded this opportunity to speak with you today. And I first, first and foremost, just want to say thank you for everything you've brought to my life. I'm excited and humbled to introduce you to my audience today. And I want to say that because I admire you so much, my intention for this interview, above all else, is really just to be present with you today. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And, and with that, I'll start with a question that I ask all of my guests, but I believe it's particularly applicable to you. What is the greatest desire in your life at the moment? At the moment, it has to do with rhythm. Like, I'm in this phase right now of of really radically simplifying some things, and it still feels a little janky. It's like, you know, the old pace and the new pace. And, you know, like I did 23 cities this year with travel, 
and I just put my suitcase away and I was like, wow, that's cool. So I want to, I want to feel this rhythm that still feels like fresh and I'm stimulated and I'm moving, but it's calm. So yeah, rhythm is it. If you could sum it up in one thought, what do you believe to be the message that you were brought here to share with the world? Truth will set you free. And that's, that's not quite it though. There's something more, there's a refinement to that. I, there's a bunch of things under one umbrella. You know, the umbrella is light. So it's the light of your truth. It's the light of illumination. It's the light of your heart. Devotion. I mean, it really, here's what I want to say. Devotion pays off. That, that's, that's amazing. It. That's amazing. Thank you. Now, before we get to your latest masterpiece, Sweat Hot Truth, uh, I want to talk about The Desire Map. It's a book, but it's so much more than a book. It's actually a process. It's a process I feel should actually be required of everyone on the planet to work through at least once, probably twice, not in their lives, but in a year. <laughs> Can you walk us through a basic overview of your thesis as it pertains to core desired feelings? Yeah, the idea is that everything that you're going after, the job or the relationship or the body or just even like the stuff you want in your life is because you want to feel a certain way. And I mean, this is really what I'm a stand for. I think this is without exception, whether you're like a criminal or a saint, you want to feel a certain way when you get what you want, when you, when you get the goal. And I think we have it backwards. So what we do is, you know, we look outward for all the stuff that's going to create the feeling. But why don't we get clear first on how it is that we want to feel? That's, that's what I call your core desired feelings. and then. With that kind of clarity, then you design your bucket list and your day and your holiday plans. And then you decide how you're going to show up in the world. And once, you know, another offshoot of getting that kind of clarity is some of the goals you've been going after for so long, so voraciously might fall aside because you're like, God, this actually is, this does not support how I want to feel at all. In fact, this makes me feel the opposite yeah. of how I want to feel. And then some of the goals that you've been going after for so long, you will re-devote yourself to. You'll be like, yes, that is exactly aligned with me wanting to feel whatever it is, connection, communion, light, beauty, empowerment, inspiration. You know, like your, the list of core desired feelings, it's infinite. Yeah. Yeah, I can say firsthand, actually, when I first heard you say that it wasn't our goals that we were necessarily looking to achieve, but the way we feel when we finally achieve the goal, that's actually what we're looking for, and that we could actually get there along the way to our goals. It was life-changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. I, Like I said, I actually desire map twice a year. I do it once around my birthday, which is in July, and then around New Year. So it's actually that perfect like six-year mark. I do the same. Do I you? Do the same. So I do it in May for my birthday, and then I do it in September. Yeah, mm. and I, I personally believe that you have to do the audio version. I know that probably isn't applicable to you, but <laughs> I just like listening to you walk the student through the process it really brings a level of intimacy to the experience that I think is imperative to go through a process this intimate. And I also feel like in the personal development space, I feel like there's a lot of people, I'm sure you've been exposed to this, that are really selling snake oil, right? But in regard to desire mapping, I'm not just saying this. I really believe that it's the sort of thing that can change someone's life. If you really immerse yourself in the process and just take a weekend to do it, it, it it's truly life-changing. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I hope, I hope so. Like I, I, my, the word I go to, cause you know, I like to stay away from big claims is like enriching and yeah. clarity is always a good thing. And then, you know, the response is, you know, it's been out, 
for a while, you know, it's like there's hundreds of thousands of, you know, people who have done this, but, you know, the experience of like men and women saying, my feelings are the heart of the matter. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They drive everything. They create your reality. They, they influence your anxiety or your calmness. They drive your creativity. Like we, yes, we've had it all backward. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually really passionate about your work in this space because I just believe if more people knew how they wanted to feel and that they were capable of feeling that way whenever they wanted, that the world might actually be a better place. Yes. Like, especially with everything that's going on today, it's just like, we need to focus on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think knowing how you want to feel and then doing whatever it takes to feel that way, quitting or starting or refining or whatever it is, that's you really putting yourself in the driver's seat of your life. I am in charge of my reality. Then you get into the notion that lots of things could happen to you, positive and negative, but it's up to you to decide. You actually get to make a conscious choice about how you're going to feel about what's just happened to you. You're going to be enraged. You're going to be angry. You're going to be accepting. You're going to be grateful. You know, one of the examples I use in in the actual book is you can look at two different people stuck in a traffic jam. One of them is like, hey, okay, well, I got some time to think about this. I'm going to listen to this audiobook. Okay, it's meant to be. Maybe this is saving me from an accident down the road. And then you've got the other person who's like <clears throat> completely high strung about it and they're stressed and all they do is complain and his life is happening to them. It's the same thing with everything that happens in our life. Totally. Yeah. So, and that kind of, to use an overused word, you know, that kind of empowerment starts with the clarity yep. of how you want to feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine actually, I use, I set them as reminders on my Apple watch. And so mm. I will tell you that they always pop up at like the perfect time of day. Uh, and then it just feels like regardless. Is it, is it random? Like. No, I actually have them set like periodically throughout the day, but it doesn't matter like what I'm doing whenever, whenever that vibration comes to my wrist and I look down and see that word, it cho- it's like, okay, come back. And I just stop what I'm doing and I just, I try to feel that word in some way. And, and in so many ways, I actually think it's better than like a gratitude list, which, you know, I have an appreciation for those kind of things, but this is something that for me, it happens throughout my day, right? The gratitude is like kind of a recap at the end of the day, but I don't want to recap my day. I want to live my day. Yeah, that's a good point is that gratitude is something, you know, you have to reflect on something that's happened. I mean, you can be grateful for what's happening in the moment, but there's still, it's in the past. Yep. And your core desired feelings are present and generative, like you're moving towards them. I've been a disciple of yours since the name of your website was actually White Hot Truth. (laughs) And since then, you obviously kind of rebranded everything you do under your name. Was titling the book White Hot Truth your way of kind of bringing things full circle in some ways? Or was that even conscious? It was just a bonus. Yeah. You know, the the reason behind the name is that the center of a flame, a fire, is actually white. It's not the blue of the flame. It's, ac- it's, it's white. And when it's white hot, that's when it becomes powerful enough to melt a lot of different substances. It becomes all chemical. And I'm interested in that center point for things. And yeah, it was, well, certainly not a coincidence, but the book needed to be called that. Who is the book for? And what do you hope would be someone's greatest takeaway after reading it? The book is for all of us who grew up on Oprah Mm -hmm. and have done everything. 
experimented with the meditation and the yoga and the juicing and the fire walking and the gurus and the workshops and all the self-help books and all of it. We're seekers. Some of us have, we're seeking for unhealthy reasons just to, you know, fill the hole in our soul because we think we're less than. Some of us are seeking because, you know, we're really consciously trying to expand. It's about exploration, not about betterment. Yeah. It's, it's for the seekers trying a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Oprah, she actually just released a new book, which is essentially a culmination of everything profound, I guess, that she learned during her Super Soul Sunday conversations. And one of the conversations was with Elie Wiesel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. and, and he shared basically the mantra, I guess, that gets him through life, which is think higher, feel deeper. Yeah, that's good. I love it. Yeah. And when I heard that, I actually, like when I heard those words strung together, it reminded me of you because I really feel that's essentially the essence of your teachings, especially in this new book. Mm, be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I'll own that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because I think, you know, the think higher aspect, you know, that's regarding consciousness yeah. and that's really seeing how things are interconnected. It's seeing the patterns of things, patterns that you want to continue, patterns that you want to break. When you're thinking higher, that's where you have the capacity to, I mean, you move above racial di- divides and po- politics. You don't even identify with with nationality or race anymore. It's That's it. And then the feel deeper, love. Love, love and connection. And I I think, you know, if you have to choose an order, it's really, it's heart first, intellect second. Like, you you know, your heart really knows everything that needs to be known in that moment. And then you use your intellect to support what your heart knows. Like you, you, then you move into strategy. I feel we should do this. Great. Then engage your brain, figure out how you're going to get it done. Yeah, exactly. I think... Your work really helps us dig into kind of like the spiritual nitty gritty. But on another podcast, I recently heard you talk about something called spiritual bypassing. And I was really intrigued listening to you explain this concept. And I'd love to have you kind of break it down because I think a lot of people can identify with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, the White Hot Truth is about discernment in the face of spiritual bypassing. So the term itself, which I love so good, I wish I would have thought of it myself, is actually coined by a psychologist named and then some really beautiful work on spiritual bypassing was done by Robert Augustus Masters, who I'm a a huge fan of. And he has a book by that title, Spiritual Bypassing. And the idea here is that we are using all of our self-help, new age, personal development tools to avoid the more negative, ugly, not so, you know, quote unquote, positive aspects of life. So, So, you know, I'm deeply hurt and wounded and pissed off, but everything happens for a reason. And I'm just going to write about this in my gratitude journal. <laughs> you need to go back to the pissed off place yeah, because that's real. And because there's power in that truth, there's power in the anger. And you may, might, may need to do something that moves towards justice, right? Yeah, You have to go to the sadness. You can't just say... I'll positive think my way out of this because sadness is a lower vibration emotion. Totally. <laughs> it's all part of being human. So yeah, it's be all, be all of you to integrate. I'm much more interested in wholeness. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I recently heard someone say that most people think what they want is happiness, but what they really want is freedom. And I'm really curious to get your thoughts on that. Oh, well, I agree with that. I think, I think there's, a, there's another level to get to freedom. I think I agree with that. Most people think they want happiness. Happiness, by the way, is fleeting and yeah. it's very different than joy. Yes. Joy is foundational and fundamental because you can feel joy and anger at the same time. You can, you can be grieving and still be in, the, in touch with the joy of life. Sure. So, I, yes, I agree. I think we all think we want happiness. I think the next kind of layer down is we think we want fulfillment. Ooh. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and I do believe what we really want is freedom. And I remember having this conversation around an editor with one of my books. And I said, well, you know, I think for most people, what we want is freedom. And she said, well, I think one of my core desired feelings would be security. That's not freedom at all. And I was like, but it is. <laughs> because if you're feeling secure, you're feeling you know, free to be in your space. You're feeling free to move. You're safe to say what you want to say and safe with your possessions, et cetera. But yes, we want to express ourselves. We want to want what we want. We want to love who we want to love. We want to move in the way that we want to move without judgment, without reproach. We want, we want to be able to be, and here's the divine irony. We want to be able to, free, to be free to be ourselves and at the same time deeply want to belong to something. Yes. And what happens so often is that the desire to belong usurps our desire for freedom. That's where we lose our courage. Yeah. Well, I'd rather fit in more than I would like to be free. And that's where you move into living a half-life, you know, because you have to commit to your freedom before you can belong. Like belonging is the sweetness. Belonging is a gift. When you find your, when you've had the courage to, to be yourself, create that freedom for yourself then the gift is like oh hi you're my tribe oh look at all these other people who figured out how to be free yeah you know that word is actually one of my core desired feelings uh and i actually i vacillate between free and freedom because mm. there's something about the word free that feels different mm. and so i think that that really is for me one of the foundations of like i know that if i have freedom and if i feel free regardless of the circumstance that i'm in that I'm reminded that I'll be okay and that everything else kind of builds upon that. You know what I love about that is that fine-tuning, the awareness to fine-tune the word. Like, oh, absolutely. I, because, you, you know, I play, with, I play with this all the time. It's like, do I want to feel light or do I want to feel illumination? You know, do I want to feel bold or emboldened? That's actually never, I just pulled that one out. That's not one of my core desire feelings, but... Yes, the power of words. Yeah, I think love is an example. Like, do we, I've asked myself when I've gone through this process, like, do I want to feel love or do I want to feel loved? Because I actually think those are two very different things. I, you know what I mean? Love to yeah. me is like something I can give. Loved is something that I need someone else's permission for. Yes. Yes. And I, I warn against that yeah. in, in the book, actually. So, you know, feelings like loved, adored, supported, accepted. Look, it's totally your right to want to feel that way. And maybe, maybe with wherever you're at in your life right now, that is the strongest, most courageous, most creative thing you can do is say, it's time for me to feel supported. And you go out and you create your life, a you know, something beautiful out of that. And we have to be really careful because any feeling you want to feel that's based on someone else helping you feel that way is tricky shit. Totally. Absolutely. 
You're a member of Oprah Super Soul 100. Can you talk about this group and what it means for you to be a part of it? Well, I got a phone call. I mean, really, that's where it starts. You know, the Oprah team curated a group of people that they think are doing change-making things and the, you know, the, the milieu of, of spirituality. And I really think it should be Oprah's 100,000. There's so many people doing great things. And we got to have brunch with Oprah and she's, she's as warm and lovely and as discerning as you would think. You know, Stedman's there in his Adidas track pants. And he's just hanging out with some friends. And that's, that's it, really. Like, they may call on us for some other things. This group exists. Yeah. They've been, we've been told, like, you know, stand by. We may <laughs> use you for some fun projects. <laughs> and it's, a, you know, a lovely honor. Well, I've been sitting out to the universe forever. My Super Bowl is Danielle Laporte and Oprah Winfrey in an interview together. So, Yeah, baby. I want to be under that banyan tree. It's coming. I know, right? Uh, do you think gender is relevant as a student of this sort of work? And do you find that men are becoming more open to it? Well, I don't know if it's relevant. It's just what it is. I mean, this is who is showing up. Yeah. And yes, I think men are becoming more open because I think we're, we're all becoming more whole. I think, you know, the feminine energy resonates more with even just my language around heart-centered and feelings and, you know, the feminine rules the heart and the masculine rules the intellect. Yeah. You need both. You need both. You need both. But this is where I'm saying, hey, let's start here. So I think that's why women show up. And it's it's not on the top of my list right now, but I do want to help shift the conversation around masculine energy versus feminine energy, because I think it's actually kind of screwing us up. So I, I think it's great. It's essential that people wake up to the differences that there yeah. even is such a thing yeah. as the two different energies. And I think it's holding us back. It's It's like, because it gets so, so over-associated with gender. And I mean, really what, I, I just want to boil it down to say, look, there's an energy that's about being inclusive. And there's an energy that's about being directive. Yeah. There's an energy that's about nourishment. And there's an energy that's about attainment. Who doesn't want all of those? Who doesn't relate? to all of those things. Yes, gender does have something to do with it a lot of the time. Yeah. In chapter five of White Hot Truth, you talk about self-love and self-hatred and you tell this really funny story about the Dalai Lama. And I guess someone asked, someone was like in a group of psychologists and they asked him what he thought of self-hatred and he legitimately had no idea what they were talking about. He was mystified. Yeah. Wh whether it's self-love or love for others, why are we so messed up when it comes to love? Oh, well, we're so messed up with love in regards to others because we're messed up about love for ourselves. This is actually like an incredibly deep question. This is, this is about mortal coil. This is about feeling separate from source because we incarnate in these individual little suitcases called bodies. This is about, you know, at some point in your maturation, you look at your parents. You don't even know you're doing this. You look at your parents, you go, we're separate people. I am not my mother. I'm not my father. That's when the nightmares start coming. You know, yeah. it's, I think it's just deep separation anxiety. And I think it's part of the, the university <laughs> of the cosmos, right? To, yeah. to be separate, to, to have it, 
to put ourselves in a circumstance where it looks like we're separate from everything, but we're not. We're all just, you know, as Ram Das says, we're all just walking each other home. We're all helping each other figure out, hey, I'm connected to you and I'm connected to source. And yeah. I actually, if I, if I do this, that, and the other, I actually can hear what life, what God is saying to me. Yeah. I love that. What are some signs that you're taking adequate care of yourself with respect to that whole self-love thing? Well, I think it's different for everybody, but I'll tell you for myself, like I go to bed on time. I eat clean. I think basically I'm just going to lay my lifestyle on everybody, but it's like, I think signs that you love yourself are you're probably doing one, if not all of the things that most mystics have been saying for thousands of years are the healthy ways to live. Like you have some form of meditation, prayer, contemplation, or stillness in your life. Whatever that means for you, you're doing that. You're eating in a way that supports, to use Michael Beckwith's term, your body temple. I love that phrase. Yeah. So whatever that means to you, we all, I think we're, a lot of us are educated <laughs> enough to know what that means. And what's the third? And you're moving in some sacred way, not just getting exercise, but you really have a sacred relationship with your body. Whether it's like just a hot bath and essential oils or it's yoga or it's a really mindful walk, but you know that your body is a vehicle for your soul and you're going to take care of it so that you can be connected to yourself and be of service to the world. Those are the signs that you love yourself and you have great fucking boundaries. Yeah. Talk about boundaries for a second because that's like a thing. You're, you're known for talking very openly and candidly about boundaries and I'd love to have you share your perspective. Yeah. Well... If you want to get what you want, we all want a lot of the same things. If you want to be fulfilled, if you want to be healthy, if you want to be madly in love, if you want to have a career that's working for you, you have to have boundaries. You, you can't be a whole spiritually mature person without the capacity to say, no, thank you. And I think this is an epidemic within lack of healthy boundaries is an epidemic within this space of personal development because in that space, we want to be more loving. We know that tolerance can often be the higher road. And then we're usually on the personal develop, often on the personal development path because we want to be better, which can often mean we're, you know, we've got some wounds. That combined means that we can put, we can take a lot of shit in the name of being more spiritual, meaning you don't have any boundaries. Yeah. Like you let people neglect you, you overwork for somebody else. You let people talk to you in a way that's like, so not cool. You let that person keep being late or, you know, relationship stuff. Like you, you let that person not look you in the eye when you come home at night. This stuff is not okay. Yeah. So that's where the daring then the self-love comes in. Like, this is what works for me because I love myself and I want to love you better. This is what works for me because I want to be of service to the world. Yeah. Because yeah. I love myself and I want to love you better. I love that. That's, that's big. Yeah. You've become famous for your truth bombs, which are essentially these sexy mantras that you can either carry around physically. You have them online. You sell these really cool three by five cards or three by three cards, I think. How did you come up with the idea for these? I love that you even know the size of the card. Oh, I know everything. 
because that is like some good design sensibility. What was the question? How did I start them? Yeah. Like, how did you, I guess, obviously, like you just started kind of posting things online, but then how did you, th- like, what made you think, wow, this could actually like be impactful well, in a different Well, way. people subscribed and I didn't think they would. Like, they, I started on my site, just on my blog. I'm sure you know I don't like the word blog. On my website, I was just posting these isms, these one-liners. First, they were integrated with other people's quotes. Like Monday, you'd get a quote from Nelson Mandela. Tuesday, yeah. you'd get a quote from me. And then one of my girlfriends was like, people come to your site to hear you, not like somebody else's totally. quote. I was like, okay, we'll be done with that. <laughs> and then I put out another saying, another saying. She go, And it was actually the same person. She's like, well, that's a truth bomb. I was like, great. I'm so glad we have a name for it because I'm going to turn it into its own little subscriber list. And then like, kazam, bazam, people started su- subscribing and enough where I was like, well, I think this needs to be a deck. Uh, and yeah. And you know, I've stopped doing them. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. I've retired. They may, let me rephrase that. I'm on a hiatus. They may come back. But I feel like they're so connected to you. You can't not do them forever. Like you (laughs) because no, because that's part of your brand. That's part of who you are. It's it's often short bursts of insight. And I think that's what part of what people come to you for. So please. I know, but I'm getting a little tired of trying to cram three words on a little three by three card and be really rock someone's world. Like I have to as an, you know, as an artist, I need to just. Sometimes you have to abandon your gimmicks. I mean, it's not a gimmick, but I'm I get just, that. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. They may come back. They might. Maybe you just, I just need to have them in a different color. That's all. <laughs> but they need a break. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. At your okay. event in LA, you actually left one in each chair. And I have to tell okay. you, I remember mine. It said, be the person you want to fall in love with. Um, and that day, like, I needed to hear that so badly. And it just resonated so deeply. So I love that one. They're life-changing. Me too. With respect to heartbreak as it pertains to, I guess, lost love, are you of the opinion that we need to acknowledge, let go, move on? Should we wallow a bit? Oh, it depends. I mean, I think it's possible for some people to be in a relationship and be really present the whole way. And just it's when it's done, it's done. And they move on. I've never been that kind of person. <laughs> I like grieve during the relationship that it's going to end. <laughs> and then I grieve after and then I grieve about the grief. I think some people, I think so many people break up before they should. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's more work to be done? Well, there's that. I mean, there's that. But who cares? Like in terms of on a soul level, if you need a lesson, if you need to do the work, you're going to get it whether you stay in that relationship or not. That's true. If you bust out early, you'll just get it in the next relationship, professional or otherwise. So there's that. But I think... So many more of us could really transform our relationships, really create that miracle of letting go, of seeing each other, of making it deeper. And we could be together. It could be incredible. It could be what you wanted it to be if you don't abandon it. And at the same time, it's 50-50. Yeah. I think way too many people stay in relationships out of obligation yes. and you know, just like why well, I said I was in and, you know, you give, you wake up and a decade or two have gone by and you're full of bitter resentment and you've gained 20 pounds. Totally. And you don't even relate to the person on the sofa. Forget it. Leave, and I think that a lot of relationships, right? Like that's in America, yeah. at least. I don't, 
so without this becoming a therapy session, though, how do you know when it's time to leave? Like, because I think that I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but like there there definitely has to be that cutoff point where you're like, OK, this is this is my this is my moment. I gotta... Well, I have two answers. One, I mean, generally, I feel like it's time to quit something when there's no magic left. There's there's no synchronicity. I really do think the universe speaks to you in synchronicity. It's like, I was just thinking about that and that happened and that happened. It's like, you know, you're getting cosmic winks saying, yes, keep going in that direction. When there's none of that, when there's no magic, might be time to really leave. Now, a more practical answer for knowing is I'm a big fan of the work of John Gottman, who's, you know, been his work in Seattle has been called Love Lab. So his book's got a really terribly boring generic title. I think it's just how to make a marriage work or something like that. It's too bad it's marriage because it really applies to all kinds of relationships. Yeah. And he has what he calls the four had four horsemen of the apocalypse with respect to relationship. And one is stonewalling, defense, contempt. And I can't remember the third. And if all four of those those dynamics are active in a relationship, it's doomed. According to his research. And his research is, I mean, hi- highly lauded and, and yeah, solid. So if that's going on, I, I, I saw those four of those in one of my relationships. And I was like, yeah, I knew this was done. Yeah, contempt is such a good word. Like, I, I feel like that, that word resonates so much because that's, we can get to that point in a relationship. And I feel like once you're to that point, I don't know that there's any repair possible. Yeah, and t- contempt is closely related to disgust yeah so if the person is disgusting you having contempt for someone doesn't mean you're a bad person necessarily sometimes it's awful and you really need to get your shit together and turn around but if you're if you're having those feelings of disgust why are you there i mean it's it's a obviously it's a signal but don't get down on yourself because you're just like oh god just get out get out At the beginning of chapter nine of White Hot Truth, you say, and I love this so much, you say, all is forgiven includes you. Yeah. On the topic of forgiveness, I want to know, where do we begin when we don't know where to start? You begin by admitting that you don't want to forgive. Oh, love that. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's, again, this is another fantastic dynamic about the space that we're in with self-help is that we know, we know that, of course, Forgiveness is the goal, the aspiration. It's the higher road. We want to be there. We get that it would free me and it would free them and it would all be better. But maybe, likely, you don't want to forgive. Who wants to forgive? Really? <laughs> you just, you know, you just got fucked over. Yeah. You want to hold on to the anger for a little longer. You want to be right. And that's, that's not an unhealthy inclination because that's part of clarity and really seeing what happened. But I feel like uh, so, in a personal development space, we have this rush to forgive. Like it's yes. it's so ingrained in us that like you can't hold on to that negativity, that energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what? That's rushing to forgive just reinforces this lie. It's a big fake show. It's much more powerful and healing, healthy to say, I'm not ready to forgive. I'm thinking about it. I want to forgive, but I'm not there yet. So I'm going to figure this out in my own time. And then what happens is you, when you do forgive, when you, get, when you get to it, it's real. It lasts. It goes deep. Because the fake forgiveness, the rushed forgiveness, this is what happens. You know, 
you forgive someone for what they did to you. And two years later, five years later, you lose your shit on them. Yep. Or you, you're really, you're so triggerable, if that's even a word. Or, you know, somebody comes up and I've, I've been in a situation where I got all new age and, you know, supposedly forgave someone. And nine months later, they were like, I thought we already went through this. And I was like, you know what? I was just trying to be nice and evolved. Yeah. And I've been carrying this around the whole time. I should have just consciously carried it around. Probably wouldn't have had to carry it around for as long as I did. I thought we already went through this. I feel like that could be the theme of most relationships that are right? end. You know what I mean? It's like we dealt with this fucking five years ago. Why? why oh, so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. What is one thing you've learned about life that if you believe more people understood would make the world a better place? That's not a big question at all. That it's actually, this is a fresh lesson. Oh, it's two things. I can never, I'm a Gemini, so I can never give one answer. One is that it's actually easier to be loving. I can unpack that a bit in a minute. But, and the other thing I've learned is, and I've been hearing this for decades, I finally just got it recently. The sacred really is in the simplicity. And it really is an eye contact and how you pour the tea and the tone you use with someone and a good walk with some fresh air. It's all there and being, creating that simplicity, tapping into that sacredness is everything you need. It's all the fuel you need to go make stuff and to have a life on whatever scope you want to have one. Big, little, simple, complex. So, yeah, sacred and the simple. And, you know, back to the love being the easier thing to do. I, I was just thinking last night, you know, there was one person from the day I was a little bit pissed off at. And there was another person I was like really just like so grateful for and just loved. And the person I was pissed off at, you know, I just thought, I just let them off the hook. Just be loving. Just choose love. It's so much easier. And I, I could see the pattern I got. I was getting into It's like, well, if I let them off the hook now, <laughs> then yeah. they're just going to do it again. No, just why don't I just be loving today and see? And, and then I can respond tomorrow if, they, if they're an asshole again. And know? so what if they do it again? That maybe the lesson is for them yeah. at that point, you know? Yeah. Love is actually easier. I, I think I, yeah, I think I just want to be a fool for love. <laughs> and I love that. What, what do you hope will be your legacy? I'm not interested in no. legacy. No. Really? I don't identify with the term at all. I just feel like, look, when I'm gone, I'm gone. I will certainly have no ego. I will not care if anyone reads a book of mine, remembers my name, or erects a statue. I will have done what I'm, I've done. I, I mean, I do hope that my son goes on to be the incredible human being he already is as, as a boy. That's pretty much it. I don't, yeah, when I'm gone, I'm gone. Doesn't matter. It's so fleeting. I'm here for a second. Yeah. I'm here for a second. And and even, do I want to make an impact? Do I want to make a difference? Yes, because I'm committed to, I want to elevate the planet. But that's for me to say, not anybody else to say. Like when I move into my next form of being, my next incarnation, all that's going to show in my soul are the grooves of my giving, of the motion that I took, not the effect that I had. This is a very deep, that's so direct direction I'm going in. 
No, that's fa- but, it's fair, and it all makes sense. I actually, I, I really love that answer. It's not the typical answer that I receive, but I, I really have an appreciation for, for all of it. It's Danielle. It's been such a blessing to share this time with you. I cannot thank you enough, not just for talking to me, but again for the significant impact you've made on my life and the lives of so many. Please tell us how we can connect with you if someone would like to. I'm everywhere. The center of my universe is, is Instagram. I love it there. Site is DanielleLaporte.com. I don't even know if anybody goes to websites anymore, <laughs> but I have a lot of great stuff there. And I not only do I, I think I have some useful stuff there, but as someone with a design sensibility, I've tried to package it in a way that is beautiful and sensible. So if you are suffering at 1130 at night, you can find this little collection of something. <laughs> if, if you want to take your business to the next level, there's I got a little something for you. So that's that's where I am. And I want to thank you. Thank you for standing up at my event in L.A. and being so articulate. And thank you for doing like your homework and all the thought you just you put into this conversation. And yeah, thanks. I feel your presence. All right. I want to thank my guests today for sharing their insight with us. And I'm incredibly grateful to you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I hope it left you better and smarter. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have an idea for a future guest or a particular topic you'd like me to cover, you can email me directly, hello at thinkoutsidethelines.com. Now may you go out into the world today and leave things better than you found them. For more information, please visit thinkoutsidethelines.com.